Chapter 12, It's a Very Small World. I'm going to go off script immediately here. This is the last chapter in the book, and I got to tell you, I read this chapter with a very full heart. The stories I'm going to tell in this last chapter are really epic, and they really typify what my life has all been about, and particularly when it comes to travel. So I start this last chapter with gratefulness, happiness, and joy because it is one of the coolest stories ever. As a public speaker, I always start off my talks by saying, I have a true confession. I don't like lean. Then I pause, giving the audience enough time to wonder why they hired me to come talk to them about lean and tell them what a big difference it can make in their organization. Finally, I tell them the truth. I love lean. I really do love lean. It has given me so much in life. My passion for continuous improvement has connected me with people all over the world. People see me in action and they see my effectiveness and all-around efficiency and are drawn to the concept of continuous improvement. They reach out to me and the next thing you know, we develop friendships that improve and enrich their lives and mine. People gravitate towards those who are passionate and positive. When you approach life with deep passion, you look for the best in others. It is inevitable that your life will be filled with adventure and happiness. You will make new friends wherever you travel. You will never forget them and they will never forget you. Up to this point, I've told you travel stories with epic drama, colossal misunderstandings, and costly mistakes. All of these allow me to learn and improve so that my travel experiences will grow the smile on my face with each passing trip. Now I'm going to tell you a story that makes the world seem so tiny it will be hard to believe. As I said in the last chapter, our first trip to Africa was amazing. There is a saying that once you get the dirt of Africa between your toes, you will never get it out and you will have to return. We got the dirt not only in our toes, but also in our shoes, clothes, and everywhere else. So one year later, we headed back again, this time to explore Tanzania and Kenya. Our second trip was easier because we had some idea of what to expect. We were much more comfortable with Africa's simplicity and wildness. On the first trip, we had come to love the people of this continent. We made new friends and stayed in touch with them continually. We kept in contact with the rangers and lots of the people we met. It became normal for me to talk to someone in Africa on a weekly basis. Africa was no longer a distant and mysterious land. It was now a part of me. In the first few days in Tanzania, we visited Lake Manyara National Park. To get there, we flew into a small dirt runway where our ranger, Peter, picked us up in an open land cruiser. We spent the better part of the day wandering through the beautiful park over remote dirt roads. We made it to the end beyond Lake Manyara Tree Lodge, just as the sun was going down. We chose and beyond again because our first experience was so exceptional. The resort was called the Tree Lodge because the rooms there were built up in the trees on stilts. They had no glass windows, only simple screens to keep the animals out. This was somewhat unsettling because the area is famous for its tree-climbing lions. The first night, however, it was not lions that concerned us. It was leopards. Most of the night, we could hear a leopard panting outside our window, and the only thing between him 
and us was a thin piece of screen and the sheet covering our trembling bodies. Experiences like this are why I love Africa. They can make you a little tense, but you become addicted to the adventure, maybe the adrenaline. The next morning, we got up so early so that we could take a sunrise game drive and have breakfast overlooking the hot springs and beautiful Lake Manyara. At five o'clock, the porter came and knocked on our screen door with hot coffee and biscuits. We had just enough time to take a steaming outdoor shower with no protection from the wild animals, just me and my bare ass and that panting leopard before heading out for the drive. You can live every moment, every word of the following story. It is all documented in high definition. I produced a series of videos for each day we were in Africa, so the story can unfold right in front of you in living color. Believe me, I'm not exaggerating one word of this. It is all on camera, except for my bare ass, of course. Each video is professionally produced and will transport you to our land cruiser on the dirt roads of Africa. Each day, I took the video, did the narration and all the editing just in time using one-piece flow so there was never any batch work. I produced the videos while the stories were fresh in my mind. If I didn't like the camera angle or the narration or the lighting, the very next day I could improve my process and thus improve the quality of the video day after day. Continuous improvement. I love it. Most people would ask how it is possible to do so much. It's easy because lean thinking makes everything I do easy and fun. And the result is I get much more done than most people could ever dream of. My wife and I were getting ready to go when the Maasai warrior showed up at our front door holding a spear. He walked us down a sandy trail, scanning the bushes around us for lions and leopards. After a hundred-yard walk of terror, we met Peter and climbed into the open land cruiser. It was a chilly morning, but we had a heavy blanket to put over us as we enjoyed the early morning sights and sounds. The only thing we had to worry about was lions jumping into the open truck and eating us as we meandered through the jungle. For the next hour, we observed wildlife as the forest came to life. Eventually, we stopped on a small ridge where Peter set up a small folding table with three chairs so we could eat breakfast and watch the sun come up over the lake. I'm going to go off script. I cannot tell you how beautiful this was and how remote it was and how we felt so small in the middle of God's creation. It was an epic experience. We sat down to eat a delicious meal of crepes, eggs, fresh fruit, hot coffee, and hot chocolate. I thought to myself how crazy it was to be 10,000 miles from home in the middle of nowhere, enjoying wonderful food, solitude, and nature in such a beautiful setting. It couldn't get any better than that. Up to this point, there had been absolutely no one else around. We weren't in a place where there were cars passing by every two or three minutes. You could go for hours without seeing anyone. It was just the land, the animals, and us, or so we thought. After a few minutes, I heard the sound of another range vehicle approaching from over the ridge. As it came closer, I realized it was not the typical Toyota Land Cruiser that is common in Africa. It was an older Range Rover from England, something you rarely see because they just aren't very reliable. Toyota 
thanks to the company's lean and continuous improvement efforts, is famous for its quality and reliability. Its Land Cruiser has become the vehicle of choice for traveling in the rural parts of Africa. No other brand can survive the harsh African terrain. But this Range Rover had a certain charm to it, and it kind of felt like I was watching the movie Out of Africa as it approached. Being the videographer and storyteller that I am, I pulled out my camera to record the moment. Capturing a 10-second clip of this vehicle as it crossed in front of me would convey the romance of traveling across Africa. However, as the truck approached, it slowed down and stopped right next to me. I kept the camera rolling. As the man driving the car stopped and said, Good morning, with a South African accent. I greeted him and told him what a cool truck he had. I said I was filming a little bit of it because it looked so interesting. The man was very friendly and did not mind at all. What came next surprised me, if not shocked me. He asked me if I had ever been to Penda Forest Lodge. We were at least a thousand miles from the lodge, and I had forgotten I was wearing the Penda Forest Lodge hat I bought a year before in South Africa, the same place we bought the famous $350 Swarovski binoculars. I told him we had gone there last year. I wondered how he knew where Pinda Forest Lodge was, since it was in a place just as remote as where we were in Tanzania. Then, to my total shock, the man told me his son worked there as a ranger. I asked him if his name was James, and he and his wife both exclaimed, Yes! <laughs> we told him how James was our first ranger when we came to Africa. Then he asked, Are you Paul? <laughs> we were stunned. And answered, yes. I'm going off script here. i got to compose myself because when I read this story, it's so emotional because it's so unbelievable. They said, we thought we recognized you from the videos you made and the eye pull you gave him, he explained. James' father pulled out his cell phone and dialed his son, who was in another remote African country on holiday. When James answered, his father said, you will never believe who we just met. In the middle of nowhere in Tanzania, Paul Leanne Acres, James' father handed me the phone, and James and I went crazy with laughter and surprise. All of us couldn't believe what just had happened. What were the chances we would be in Africa again and meet his parents in this remote location, so early in the morning, it is such a small world. A week later, we were in Kenya, far out in the middle of nowhere, staying in Klein's Camp, another of the and beyond resorts. We were en route to the Masamara Game Reserve because we wanted to see the great wildebeest migration in person we could see at least 100,000 wildebeest stretching out as far as we could see. I asked Selu, our ranger, if we could leave the road and drive right into the center of them and let the herds envelop us. He said, sure, why not? I kept my camera rolling as I hung outside the Jeep to capture the drama of chasing wildebeest at 40 miles an hour. I was so caught up in everything that was going on that I didn't realize when my hat blew off my head. The hat that had brought me together with James's parents was now 
was now lying somewhere somewhere in the middle of the Maasai Mara. I was disappointed, but I knew there must be a reason. Life is not happenstance. There is so much to explore and learn. We are all so connected, and life is doing everything in its power to bring us together. The subtitle of this book is Travel Light with a Full Heart. As I bring this book to a close, I must tell you, my heart is full. Travel has been one of my most important elements of my own self-development. I first became attracted to travel because of my father and his intense pursuit of adventure. From an early age, he would load my mother, brother, and me in our Studebaker station wagon and drive across the country, visiting every state and national park across America. My best memories are sitting in the front seat on my mom's lap, chewing on the dashboard as we rambled down the road. (coughs) I managed to put a consistent row of teeth marks all the way across the front console and would have given anything to have a picture of that dashboard. Such tasty memories. It seemed like every summer we went on some wild adventure somewhere in the U.S., Canada, or Mexico. One summer, my dad loaded six Boy Scouts plus me into Don Longbottom's old Dodge van, and we drove over 3,000 miles to Canada for the Boy Scout National Jamboree. For a group of 13-year-old boys, this was a high adventure. Along the way, we picked up two young hippie girls who were hitchhiking across America and gave them a ride for over 800 miles. We talked about everything with them, from sex, drugs, and rock and roll to becoming vegetarians. These girls made such a big impression on me. They were living life. They were out on some great adventure, and they weren't letting any inhibitions hold them back. I think my dad thought maybe the kids could learn something from this and learn we did. They even convinced me to become a vegetarian and stop eating sugar for about one year. My dad also got a kick out of the fact that we were a gaggle of horny 13-year-old boys with two cute 20-year-old girls in the car, and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Between my dad and those young girls, I came away with a burning sense of adventure that all the waters in Lake Michigan could not extinguish. Wow, what a ride. My taste for adventure travel runs deep in my family history. My grandfather left Greece in 1913 and immigrated to the United States to find a better life for his family. My dad was highly involved in Boy Scouts with me, and I became an Eagle Scout. Talk about burning resourcefulness and self-reliance into my psyche at an early age. I was continually active and spent much of my free time hiking up some massive mountain like Mount Whitney, canoeing down the Colorado River, descending into the Grand Canyon, or tracking up the Zion Narrows. A well-traveled friend of mine from South Africa once told me that if you want to remove all bigotry, racism, and political tension from the world, all you need to do is get people to travel. In the process, you will gain a deep appreciation and understanding of all the different cultures, languages, and religions. I couldn't agree more. People are basically good, kind-hearted, willing to help, and desiring friendship and understanding almost everywhere in the world.
One of my favorite illustrations of this comes from the Kazakh people. I have spent so much time in Kazakhstan, and I've never felt such warm hospitality from any other group of people. My Kazakh friends explained to me that the reason they are such open and giving people is because their ancestors were nomads living in tents in the middle of a very hostile climate. They would go months without seeing anyone. So when someone did wander across their pastures, they would welcome them in with open arms and treat them like family. This is how the Kazakh people learned about what was going on in the outside world. This is how they stimulated their minds. That's what travel does. It stimulates your mind and warms your heart. If sometime in the future you should stumble across my Pindaforest hat in the middle of Kenya, please come into my tent. Sit down and enjoy a meal. I want to know about your adventures and your travels to distant lands. Tell me what you've learned and I will tell you about my journey and my wonderful friends. As my dad always said, life is an adventure and a life filled with travel is the best adventure in the world. I always end my show, The American Innovator, with these words. Life is an adventure. Go out and learn and improve. You can make a difference. You can change the world. People always ask me why I make videos, write books, and make almost everything I do available for free. The answer is really simple. My dad taught me to love life and to share it with everyone. He expected nothing in return, but he relished the twinkle in someone's eyes when they discovered something they didn't know. I'm just doing what my dad modeled for me. Like my father, I get great satisfaction when I see other people learn and improve their lives. So go out and learn and improve. We can change the world. The one thing, we are connected and traveling to distant lands is the thread that brings us closer together. Whatever you do, travel light with a full heart.